Oppo. Featuring Superfook, lightning quick smartphone charging tech. This is Phoenix Nation on SENZ. This is SENZ, it is Phoenix Nation with Ricardo and uh, joining us now for our Oppo chat with the Oppo is the coach of the Western United team out of Melbourne, Mark Torcaso. G'day Mark, how are you? Good mate, how are you? Nice yeah. to be on. Yeah mate, great to have you, great to have you and you must be fizzing, I mean, you know, this has been a long time coming for Western United to have a women's team in the A-League and you get your first game out of the way and it's a victory over the storied victory. Yeah, it was it was amazing to be quite honest. It was just a fantastic opportunity to be part of um, an inaugural game, obviously for our club, um, and it was obviously sweeter uh, to get the result and get three points against the, the reigning premiers. But yeah, the, the moment was was fantastic for our club, uh, our players, and yeah, obviously three points against victory you, you would always take any time. Yeah, and it's a team that you've you've worked with before. Obviously, you, you had a bit of inside knowledge. You haven't been the goalkeeping coach there for a couple of seasons. <laughs> yeah, that was a while back, but um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of players that play at Victory that, that play in our National Premier League here that I, that I know or was played against or I've actually coached, so a um, little bit of knowledge there, but also our backroom staff did the, an amazing uh, ton of work um, in the, the week leading up to make sure that we were prepared um, to get the results we wanted, and um, yeah, it all, it all worked out in the end. It did. Now, I mean, this looks like, you know, it's your first game um, in the A-League Women's, but it looks like something that Western United was always looking at because the relationship with Calding United and the, the old VPL or the NPL as it is now, um, you know, was established established a couple of years ago. Did that help you when it came to building a squad for a, a first season? Yeah, definitely. Having a relationship with with, with Calder and um, I was the head coach there for, for since their inception as well, so it was uh, amazing to have that um, that leading and, and be able to carry on a few players that were in that environment into into the A League environment, um, and, and they were players that probably did deserve opportunity with other A League clubs um, over the last few years, um, but obviously you know just didn't get them for whatever reason. Um, so it was a- excellent to be able to put some of them through um, an, an A League process and see how they how they sort of match up and. and so far, they've been excellent. Um, the only challenges they've had is just just adjusting to the full time life of a of a football and training every day. But um, other than that, they've they've adjusted really well. So that partnership is extremely strong um, and exciting for the future for our for Western. How many players from Calder and United managed to in the end transition into your squad for the season? Uh, we had ten players um, that moved moved forward from. From Calder, um, but then we have a number of players, about five to seven players that are our train-on players that come in. They they sort of um, top up the group, um, not contracted, but they just come in and train with us. So, you know, all up, you could probably say 15 or 16 players have transitioned from an NPL setup to a, an A League setup um, to some extent. Uh, which is, like I said, it's you know these girls probably have deserved opportunities in the past, but either just missed out or you know, just fell out of favour for whatever reason. But um, it's, it's an amazing opportunity for these girls and, and Fever, myself and the club to be able to give that to them now. Well, exactly. Putting them in this environment is is only going to make them better players. And, and training alongside the likes of, you know, you've got Matildas in the squad, obviously, like uh, Chloe Lugarzo as well. So, I mean, training uh, against someone, uh, you know, with someone like her week in, week out, is going to lift the level of those players, you'd think, as well. 
Yeah, and that's that's the thing. The exciting part of it all is seeing them the way. Oh, that was the, the challenge initially that I thought was that you know they'd struggle, but the way that they have all adjusted to being a professional training for the best players that, that you know in our country uh, has been something uh, I've been to be quite honest, totally totally blown away by. Um, you know, you've got a US national team player that's won a World Cup here in our environment as well. That you know, she, even she's quite you know stood back and taken back and blown away by the talent. So, yeah, they've adjusted really well. But learning off the best players is is the small part of you know why we do this um, to give them every opportunity to be the best they can. Well, this has been a long time coming for you. You know, we talk about the players' journey, but your journey as a coach. Uh, you know, you've been a. You, I know you started in futsal, and then you know you were taking the under 16s at Whittlesea, and you've moved your way through. I mean, why? I guess there's something that always uh, intrigues me is why women's football as opposed to men's football. I, mean, I know you played the game to a professional level, but what was the attraction? Um, I sort of yeah got caught up in it when I was at school, uh, working at a school, running a football program, and I was just. I gained an interest in coaching females. I just felt like that they they listened more. Um, they were like sponges. They didn't sort of challenge you as a coach in regards to thinking that they know more or better. Um, and I just think that the relationship that I was able to build with um, with females in football was just I don't know, just so much better. Like they could listen, they could understand it. And then I literally worked myself through that process over the years, and then um, like ended up here. And it's to be quite honest, I. I wake up and pinch myself sometimes and go, my God, you know, we are, I'm here and I've been able to work through that. Hey, but it's, it's, yeah, it's been really, really exciting to be quite honest. Yeah, fantastic, mate. I mean, you know, you, the futsal obviously gives you a sort of a grounding coaching, you know, sort of close touch football as well, but you are a former goalkeeper yourself uh, in, a, in a professional environment. How much does that, th- do you think that gives you maybe an edge or, or gives you a different outlook on the game given that as a goalkeeper obviously you can see the whole game in front of you? Yeah, I, I often reflect on that and my coaching um, like my philosophy as a coach and, and it always ref- like goes back to when I was a goalkeeper and obviously being a goalkeeper you never want to concede goals because um, you don't want to look bad but I always, I always had that sort of mentality that you don't want to concede. So in my coaching, I'm very much the same way. I want to be a, a good defensive side that that can score and be entertaining as well. So um, definitely being a goalkeeper and being around, you know, professional setups in the UK and stuff have definitely helped in the way I sort of play in my side now. But then the education as a as a coach, you know, through the Football Federation Australia and stuff has also contributed to you know obviously being a great tool to learn um so yeah definitely being a goalkeeper but obviously the the small parts of of the 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 processes of coaching is also very been very important for me you had that experience over in 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 the uk primarily i know you trialed at shalwa but you you know you were signed by crawley town and you played at kingstonian and tooting and mitcham and a a few of those pro sort of semi-pro uh sides i mean that can be pretty ruthless over there in terms of coaching jobs and playing jobs. What did that teach you that you've been able to bring into your coaching? Um, I definitely was. It was a big challenge, but that's also where I started a little bit of my coaching. I was able to play uh, play at that, that environment, but also they put me through some coaching stuff, which was where I guess started as a 21, 22-year-old. But, um, yeah, it just teaches you that little bit of resilience, um, you know, mindset, competitive mentality, um, all those type of things because it's it's just a different, it's just a totally different game in Europe. 
um, the way they the way they sort of develop and, and produce players. So that, that there's no doubt that that environment for me was something that was you know has contributed to the way I coach, the way I play. Um, but I'm forever grateful for that, and I constantly say to people that. Um, you know, you can go to uni, you can get an education, you can get a degree, you can get all those things. But life experiences, uh, in regards to that, and you know, living football, coaching football in Europe, it was something definitely that I can say that has has had a big contribution into me currently being the Western coach. Western is a young club, you know. It's only been around for what three or four years um, as an entity, and I, I think you'd have to say that the club would. Think they're ahead of the curve in terms of the success they had winning the uh, the men's league last year uh, under John Aloisi. Uh, does that put more expectation on you? Look, the men took two seasons to win it. How long is it going to take you? <laughs> um, I know that the club is extremely ambitious and they want to be, you know, successful. Um, obviously, you know, winning in your second or third year or third year as your A League then club um, is something that you know it goes you know does go unnoticed and how how big that was, but. Um, there's no real big expectations um, from us to uh, to win or anything like that. It's just more about setting the foundations, um, creating a place where players want to come. You know, over the next few years, um, setting an example and, and really lifting the bar when it comes to women's football. Um, that's the that's I guess what we measure the results on is making sure that we set that tone straight away. Um, I often say that if you do all those things anyway sort of results come um, and they work through um, they work, it works through its process anyway so if you get all those little basic fundamentals right um, most other things fall in place Nice, nice Alright Mark hey, before I let you go I've got to ask you a couple of World Cup questions if you don't mind <laughs> Alright all right, mate. Uh, one of the things that I noticed, particularly in Australian media and, and on social media amongst Socceroos fans, was um, the outrage that Mitch Langerak got left out despite coming out of retirement. Uh, I looked at some of the stats in the J League. I think he had more clean sheets in the last season than the three blokes that made the squad combined. What was your reaction to that when 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 that got announced? Um, I've been a goalkeeper, mate. It's always it's always the most contentious position when you pick. I think um, any squad. Um, let alone a World Cup squad. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really look into too much of of, of the men's game when it comes to that. But uh, what I understand, he was definitely a little bit stiff um, in being put in that scenario. So, um, yeah, I mean, it is what it is, isn't it? Mm, yeah, it is. Yeah, just feel feel for Mitch. Hopefully, you can get a look in under whoever uh, takes over from Arnie after this World Cup, mate. And finally, uh, who do you like? Who's your team? My team's not there. I'm Italian, so yeah. <laughs> um, I don't like any team. I'm, I'm probably probably going to jump on the Australian bandwagon and, and push them along if we can. Um, but I've uh, I've got um, probably my sights will be set on Netherlands. I think they might come out of nowhere and finally do something after all these years of hope, hope, hope. Um, they might be the dark horse, I reckon, because they're, they're going quietly at the moment. No one's sort of saying much. Um, so, yeah. I was a betting man, I'll be putting it on that. Get on the Dutch, get on the Dutch. You hit it here first. <laughs> hey, um, Mark, listen, mate, safe travels to you and the team. Uh, I hope you enjoy your trip to Wellington, but not too much, being a Phoenix fan. Uh, but go well and, and good luck for the season too, eh? Excellent. Thanks very much, mate. Yeah, there you go, uh, Mark. Uh,
uh, Tokaso from uh, Western United there giving us his thoughts on uh, their matchup with the Phoenix this Sunday. It's a three o'clock kickoff, and he tipped the Dutch there too. So that got me thinking: What's the market look like at the TAB at the World Cup? So here's the outright betting now that we've had nearly a full round. Brazil are at four dollars. So I think they've come out a little bit. I think they were about three fifty, three sixty. France are at sevens. England at seven fifty. Spain eight. Argentina have drifted. They were second favourites. They're now paying $9.50. And you can get the Dutch at $13. Uh, the Germans, if you think they can bounce back after they lost to Japan, they're paying 23s. Uh, also in their Portugal at 14s, Belgium at 17s. And then you have to go all the way out to Uruguay uh, at 34s who play South Korea in the morning. There you go. So I can't believe Croatia out at $71. They were the finalists last year, but the, the last time around. But there you go. There you go. Uh, just about time for uh, news and sport then. Giancarlo Italiano from the Wellington Phoenix joins us.